This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with all of you today. Thank you, Becca. And I'm so excited, honestly, for what is happening with our kids back there. So grateful for our J-Seekers team and what they do. Um, so thank you again, Becca. Can we put our hands together just for what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. So last week, Pastor Justin kicked off, uh, well, not kicked off, finished up a sermon series called James, A Faith That Works. And Pastor Ron and him, they, they nailed it. They shared so many good, encouraging, challenging things. So if you missed that, you're going to want to go back, catch those. You can catch those on our website or on our YouTube page. You'll be able to um, sample all of that. And all of our sermons are on there if you ever miss one and you want to catch up with us there. So that was, that was last week. Today, we are getting ready and we are preparing our hearts for Easter weekend, which is next weekend, as you just, as you just uh, were re reminded. But I'm wondering if you've ever thought about what happens this week between Palm Sunday and going into Easter. Well, I have, and so I wanted to just encourage you. There's, there's a whole ton of things that the Bible kind of lays out, almost lays out every day except for one day. But I'll let you figure out which day that is. And I want to encourage you, there's, um, you can get any kind of a, a follow-through to kind of set yourself up, prepare our hearts as we get ready for Easter. On the Bible app, there's a whole ton of plans. I was going to give you some, and then I looked, and there was like 50 of them right away, and they're all really solid things. So if you jump on your Bible app, you can pick one of those. Or on Right Now Media as well, that's the content that we use for our small groups. But it's also really good for just personal use or devotions as well. So you want to jump on there as, you're, as we're coming into Easter week. But what I want to bring us to today, we're talking about Palm Sunday. And I don't know about you, but I think it's kind of crazy. I just wonder, as I think about Jesus coming into, coming into the Easter week and knowing what's coming ahead, and he comes in Palm Sunday, and I just wonder if he looks at the hill ahead of him, what he's thinking is he like, does he take a deep breath? And I don't know. I have no idea what Jesus does, but I kind of wonder that because I know that he knows and he's preparing and he steps right into this whirlwind of a week with kind of a crazy celebration of a day. Um, so we're going to take a look today. We're going to be in Luke 19, 28 through 40. If you want to grab your, bi your Bible in front of you or if you want to open it up on your device, um, I got an idea from my son. I'm going to move this back, actually, because I like to walk around. I'm sorry. But um, so I got an idea from my son. He's four years old, so I steal all my good ideas from him. And um, so he was, he was asking me a question the other day about somehow it got related to Moses. And he was talking about, like, how they left Egypt, and I was like, okay, I just need to lay out this story for you. Like, we're not going to sit down and read all through Exodus and do this with my four-year-old son right now, but I just want you to get the picture of what happened. So I did. I just did the best I could. I'm like, I haven't read Exodus in a minute. I'm going to do the best I can and just share you the story that I know about Moses. And I was so grateful for that chance, but it was a little bit different than what I normally do. So... With that challenge in mind, I'm going to try and share this story today about Palm Sunday from my memory. Mom, this isn't memorized. Like, I didn't, I didn't memorize verses 28 through 40, which is a good idea to do. But today, I just want to share you the story of Palm Sunday the best I can. And you can grade me afterwards. Any teachers in the room? 
Okay, yep. I'll be looking for my report card afterwards. You can let me know how I did. But let's just <laughs> try and listen in as I retell you the story of Palm Sunday. So in Luke, he starts off, and Jesus had just finished sharing another story. We're not going to go into that story right now, but as he comes and as he prepares to come to Jerusalem, they, uh, he is kind of headed in a little bit ahead of his disciples. And as they near the cities of Bethphage, I hope I say that right, and Bethany, he, uh, he prepares his disciples. He says, hey, I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you to go into the city ahead of me, and you're going to go to this you're going to go into the city, and you're going to find a little donkey. It's never been ridden. You're going to go find it, and when you get there, you're going to untie it. And if anybody asks you about it, you're just going to tell them, the Lord needs it. And what do they do? They go to the town. They walk in. They find the little donkey, just like Jesus said, surprise. And they go to untie it, and the owner goes, hey, why are you untying my little donkey? And they go, the Lord needs it. And off they go with the donkey. No, no problem, no, no, nothing else happening there. So they go and they bring it back to Jesus. And when they get to Jesus, they go ahead and they, they get ready to put him on. They throw their cloaks, their coats, their garments on top, of the, on top of the little donkey. Jesus gets on the donkey and now they start heading up. I don't know if you know this from Bethphage, up the Mount of Olives is a little hill. So they, they start heading up the hill. And what happens there is his disciples, his followers go out ahead of him, and they are so excited. They're praising the name of Jesus. They're praising God because of the great works that God has done. And they are singing, blessed is he who has come in the name of the Lord. Praise be to God in the highest. Now, of course, there's another group. The Pharisees are there, and they all, they come up, some of them, and they, they say, hey, Jesus, you need to rebuke your people. Rebuke your people. And he says in response, he says, if they were silent, even the rocks would cry out. All right, how did I do? Did I do okay? All right, thank you. Yeah, so it took me, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, but I just, I get excited. It's a little bit different there when I share the story from my memory. This is a story like, I'm, very, I'm really good at telling stories about, like, how I hurt myself with my kids, right? But I don't often tell them the stories this way with the Bible. And I want them to get a taste of the Bible, to see my excitement, not only as a book of, of God that is given to us, but also as stories that God has shared with us about the great things he has done. So these are the two reasons that, that I did this today, that I want to do this kind of thing, is I want to bring the story inside, so not only do I know this educationally, like my head knowledge, but I also know it here. I know the story well enough now that I can take it and I can share it. And that's my encouragement to you too today, is that you can share this too. It doesn't have to be perfect. I was not perfect. I'm sure I put an extra word or two in there, um, or maybe I missed a word or two, and that's why we always want to check. But... The idea is to share the big idea with your kids and with your family and with your friends. So that's, that's the idea today. So we're going to jump back and take a look at the story. I want to focus on three types of people that I see in this story. There's the crowd, there's the Pharisees, and there's the absent. And we're going to start off with the crowd today. So 
I've got, I've got really just one question. If I, was, if I was able to be there like right after, right after they usher Jesus in, if I could like gather the whole crowd and just put them all in one place, I'd just ask him one question. Why are you so excited? Why are you so excited? Like when you start throwing cloaks on the road, when you start throwing like cloaks, I don't know if you knew this, but like that's their clothes and it was a lot of money to do that. So like you take your cloak off and you throw it on the, on the ground for a donkey to walk on. I don't know about you, but I don't normally take like $100 bills and go, hey, here you go. Yep, you can walk on that. That's fine. No big deal. Right? Like it's, it's a big deal. They're throwing their, their clothing on the ground. They're taking palm leaves, throwing them on the ground and just letting the donkey walk on it. Why are they so excited? Let me do my best that I can. I'm, I obviously did not ask them, but I'm going to do the best that I can with a little bit of the historical context here to try and answer some of what they might have been thinking. So by this time, Jesus has been walking around Israel, Jerusalem for about three years. Well, or longer, but he's been in his ministry in that time. And he has been teaching the people. He's been doing crazy miracles to, with people. And he's already done the, um, he's already fed 5,000 people. And then he's already done the feeding of the 4,000 people. So if you're doing math right now, that's 9,000 people. And when you are feeding 9,000 people, that's kind of an influence. Not, let alone, all of a sudden, you're like healing people. You're changing people's lives. You're taking demons out of them. Like, People are going to talk. And so he is well known by this point. The people are, are familiar with the name of Jesus. They're also familiar with just this idea. So you see Jesus coming in on a little donkey. Him coming in on a little donkey, him riding in on something as he comes towards Jerusalem is a familiar idea to the people because it's an idea of the king coming in. This is what a king would do when they are victorious. They go out to battle and they slay a bunch of people and they, and they win the day, they protect their kingdom, and they come back, they would, they would ride in. So they're familiar with this kind of an idea, expecting and thinking of a king. And at this time... They were also occupied by another country called Rome. I can't even imagine what that would be like, wanting so desperately. I mean, if you think about it, like these people, they had their own customs, their own way of doing things. Another country comes out and says, nope, you're going to do things my way now. And we're going to make sure, we're going to set some people up and you're going to do it. I have no idea what that would feel like to have that. Wanting so desperately to be able to worship your God the way you want to without fear of being told something different or being thrown in jail or killed for it. In Zechariah 9.9, I'm going to open that up real quick here. Real quick is not that quick, but we'll get it there. All right. Zechariah 9 9. This is, um, I love taking a look back. I'm only going to share one of these, but Jesus fills a bunch of prophecies, things that were foretold before. So we're going to look at one. Uh, Zechariah 9 9. This is um, two books before Matthew. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I had to look up. I'm not a farmer or <laughs> I, don't, I don't have donkeys in my house, so I had to look up, like, what does that actually mean? 
And somebody can correct me that knows this later if I'm wrong, but I looked it up and the Google told me that um, a foal means that it's a, any kind of equestrian animal that's up to a year old. Is that right? Anybody in the room got me? Got my back? Am I good there? All right, that's what Google told me. So anyways, it's a young donkey. That's how, about how young it would be. Um, so when Jesus comes into town, I don't know if they had this in their mind, but I mean, when I think about the picture, rejoice greatly. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. This is the exact picture of what he's doing. I don't know if they drew it back. They would have known this, but I don't know if they, if they would have put two and two together. Later on in Luke, actually, if you keep on reading, you get ahead of me. Maybe you stop listening to me and you keep on reading. Um, it says that the, the disciples end up remembering this later. And they started putting the dots together. Like, oh, hey, he filled, he filled that prophecy. Like, Zechariah was a prophet 500 years earlier, said this was going to happen, and, in a, and it happens exactly as he says. Jesus is filling things from, uh, from before that were foretold. So, let me recap that, right? We've got We've got Jesus on ministry, three years, doing awesome things. This is the history there. We've got him, um, we've got, we've got just the idea of a king coming in riding victorious. This is in the back of their head. They are occupied and they are wanting this, let alone this foreshadowing. So yes, of course the people are excited. Of course they are throwing their stuff at him because they are so excited. They are hoping that Jesus will overthrow Rome and that he will be their new ruler. He will set them free from the power of Rome. I'm not saying that that's what everybody was thinking, but this surely would have been on their minds. So my question to you, and my question for us today as we think through this, is what do you expect Jesus to be? What do you expect Jesus to be? It's easy when we read the Bible to get a little reflective of them, but it's a little bit harder to look at ourselves and to think through, what do I actually think Jesus should be? The next group is the Pharisees. They're a group whose sole focus, they are so focused on the law, the letter of the law, the law that was written for them, by them. They enforce the law they, uh, that they wrote. In fact, if you were to go around and violate, like maybe wearing your hair wrong, eating the wrong things, like they could bring, they could flog you for that. Like you could get in big trouble. Um, so they were not only feared, but they were also respected. It's kind of like, like when I think of, of, a, of a Pharisee, I kind of get this idea of a religious celebrity enforcer. Is that too complicated? Religious celebrity enforcer. Like, there's a lot going on with the Pharisees. People are, like, bowing in the streets to them out of fear and um, respect. So when, they, when we read in verse 39, teacher, rebuke your disciples. That's what he, what he actually says there. Why, why would the Pharisees respond that way? Again, I, I didn't ask them, but just thinking of their history, I wonder... I wonder if a few things. I wonder if they're afraid. Afraid maybe that there's Romans around and they're going to see Jesus coming in like a king. 
and think, uh, hey, hey guys, Rome's going to send like an army down here. You know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. They think that there's a king coming in. So maybe it's fear for that. Maybe it's just fear that Jesus is taking away people from them. He's taking away the sway. Like he's doing all these miracles, doing great things. Or maybe it's even a little bit of self-righteous. They look at Jesus and they're like, ah, you're not following the rules like I've known the rules to be. You're doing them a little bit differently. And they essentially tell him, shh, shh, Jesus, stop it. Quiet down all your peeps. Is Jesus following your rule book? Is this your response to Jesus? Are you fearful of what he will do to you or your life? Maybe even a little self-righteous because how he does things, this isn't the way you've done them. He isn't following your rule book, your way of loving. The third group is the absent one. Okay, I admit, I cheated here. I admit, there's... Like, how do I, it doesn't say that there, there's an absent group here. But I'm inferring and implying because there are people that simply couldn't or aren't in this whole, in this procession as Jesus is going up on Palm Sunday. They're staying in their homes. And they're avoiding, I think they're avoiding being on either side. The people that are absent in the story, they're avoiding being on either side. Being on the side of the Pharisees where they're saying, shh, knock it off. Or they're on the side of Jesus' followers where they are ecstatic and excited for what God is doing. Maybe they haven't heard about him or they simply don't believe in him. Or maybe they're just apathetic. They just don't care. And sometimes this middle road, this riding the fence, feels like the safest route. But honestly, in my own life, if I'm self-reflective here for a moment, that's the route that I get the most scared of. I'm the most afraid of myself that is apathetic. Because it means I don't care. I don't care about my bad choices. I don't care about my good choices. But rather, whatever I decide in that moment is, is good. I decide the good. I end up putting myself in the place of God. And man, I don't know if you guys have ever been in that spot where you, you get really apathetic about things, but I get into a bad mental, mental spot. And so if you're there today, I'm sorry, and that's a hard place to be, and I would love to pray with you over that. But I get it. When you're riding, sometimes you're just riding that middle line. It's scary to choose, to choose a side. It means if you choose to follow Jesus, you're going to choose to celebrate him like, he, like his disciples are celebrating him. You could get in trouble. Some friends may not like you. It'll make you question the way you live. Not because you have to be some sort of piety, but because of the way, that's just what Jesus does in your life. Is he starts to make you like him. But I'm telling you right now that even waiting is a choice. 
All right, I've left this package up here long enough for you. So anybody in the room like, like packages, like getting anything in the mail? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely we do, right? Like I love getting a package to my house. It could be like I get more excited about the box than actually sometimes what's in the box. I'm like, oh, I got a package. This is amazing. And then I open the box. I'm like, what is that? That's going in the trash. But I just get so excited. I'm like, this is an amazing package. I think in our, um, I think in our Amazon, UPS, FedEx, whatever kind of packaging world we're in right now, we, I think we think a little bit that like everything should fit in a box, right? Like what can't fit in a box? I can ship that to you. You kidding me? You want a chair? I'll ship it to you. That's fine. You want me? I'll ship you to me. Whatever. Like we can do whatever we want. I could put whatever we want in a box and it should fit perfectly in a box, right? I think even on Palm Sunday, I think the Jews were trying to fit Jesus into a box. The crowd, right? The crowd tried to fit Jesus into their rescue from Rome. Like they have, a, they have an idea, right? You, Jesus, this is my rescue box right here. I'm gonna, you're going to fit right in this box. That's my rescue box. That's you, Jesus. That's where you go, okay? Um, or you've got, the, you've got the Pharisees that they're like, nope, you've got to fit. This is my rule box. My Jesus, you know what? This is my rule box. You've got to fit right in that box. That's the box that I need you in. Or it's the absent box where you're like, they're like, um, yeah, this is my box, and Jesus, you don't need to fit in it, okay? You can, you can go over there until I'm ready for you, then I'll call you, and you can go in my box, how I tell you. And that's, it's interesting, like, because it's not only this time, I think it's all throughout. Like, if you look back and you just think about um, this idea of being in the box and how people tried to put Jesus in the box, you look through his whole ministry, you'll see it over and over and over again. And that's the problem. They try to get him into the box. But there's, the problem is, is there's already something in the box, right? I've already said, well, hey, They've already said, well, hey, the rules are in the box. That's, you've got to be the rule Jesus. Or you've got to be the rescue from Rome Jesus. That's already in the box. So here's my question to you. What's in your Jesus box? What's in your Jesus box? What's in your box that you expect Jesus to be for you? What do you got in there? Let's see. Oh, yeah, we got all sorts of good stuff in there. What do you guys got in that box? Is it, is it a perfect family? I need Jesus here. Listen, this is my, I'm going to have a perfect family box, and you can, you can make that happen for me. Is it a great job? Maybe a rescue from a terrible job. Maybe it's a perfect pet. Just genie Jesus. I need you to be my genie Jesus. Whenever I tap the box, but ah, I get whatever I want. Maybe it's my Sunday only box, my convenience box. All right, here you go. Let me wrap this back up. Jesus, get in the box. Get in the box. Like this is my Sunday box. I didn't open it yet. It's Monday. You got to wait till Sunday. Is it that? Or maybe you've put limits on them another way. Maybe it's, okay, listen. I know this guy, I know this gal, and she's the worst, literally the worst. 
There's, if there's hope for anybody, there, there's, hope for, there's hope for everybody except for this one person. There's no way, God, you cannot fix this person. Sorry, that's the limit, okay? You can fix everybody but this one person. Or maybe that one person is yourself. Like, you could fix everybody, but I'm too far gone. You can't fix, you can't fix this. What if we do this? What if we take those things out, right? Like, all right, okay, let's get, there goes my rules, see ya. Okay, we'll get that out of the box. Maybe that'll make some more room for Jesus. No, that's not working. Okay, let's take this one out. This is my Sunday, there you go. Sunday gone, okay. Um, there's my perfect family. I don't, I'll just let you kind of choose, God. There you go, that's, you can do it your way now. Oh, man, all right. Can Jesus fit in that box yet? We kind of look at it sometimes like, all right, fine. I guess the last one, I don't know what the last one is for you, but you're like, okay, let's just take that one. We'll make some more space for Jesus. And we're still, we're like, okay, now I've got everything out of the box. I've cleared it all out. It's good to go. Jesus, get in the box. But here's the problem is that Jesus still doesn't fit in the box. He's too big for our box. For the people on some Palm Sunday, he was entering in as a king, not the king they thought of, not the king that they wanted. He was going to do something greater. He was going to free them from their sin, from the reign of sin in their life, from the reign of death in their life. Right? Like he's, he's coming to do something they didn't even consider as an option. They had so many limits of like, hey, you got to do it this way. It's going to be this way. I need you to do this. And instead of going, I just need you to be Jesus and let you be who you say you are, really what they should have done is they just said, hey, here's the box. No box. Let's just let Jesus be Jesus. Right? Boom. Box gone. We get to be excited about who Jesus is, who he said he was, what he has done, and what he will do. If you found yourself in a spot right now that you don't want to be, maybe you've boxed Jesus up a little bit, I want to release you from the guilt of it. Pivot with me. Pivot with me. And as we look this week, let's think of something different. Let's think on the stories that we have of Jesus. And then my challenge to you today, my challenge is, as a way of getting rid of the box, is to take and to retell this story. This is the challenge. Retell the story that I just shared. Find somebody. Find your kid. Find a neighbor. Share the story of today is Palm Sunday. Do you know, did you know today is Palm Sunday? Did you know that? I know. It's kind of, you're thinking of palm leaves. But here's what really happened. And here's why. Take that story we chatted about. It. Go public. See, Jesus came in, and they think this is actually him going public. He gets on the donkey. He rides into town. They're celebrating. All throughout before this, he's saying, no, no, not yet. No, no, not yet. But he comes to this day, and he goes, okay, it's yet. Let's do this. And he steps in, and he goes public. Let's do it with him. Let's go public with Jesus. As we come to Good Friday this week, I just want to encourage you 
Come to our Good Friday service. Do this with us. Remember the sacrifice Jesus made for you. Remember the weight being pulled off your shoulders because of your errors, your mistakes, the evil in our lives because it's been paid in full. Bring others with you to remember this, to remember what Jesus has done. And as we prepare to sing to Jesus, I want us to just get ready. A minute ago, we sang a song called Raise a Hallelujah. And we did that. I think it's, it's kind of it's convenient that was before because that's how kind of Jesus did this. He started celebrating. Like they started celebrating the victory before it even happened. Before he even had already, already won the cross. They're celebrating. We did. We raised a hallelujah before we even talked about this story today. So I want us to come in to sing with hearts grateful to think about today being Palm Sunday. We get to come alongside these other people that were so excited that threw their stuff down, threw their money, basically their money down in front of Jesus for him to walk on because he's the king that's worth it. So let's celebrate this Palm Sunday. Let's celebrate it as him who's the true king. And as I finish up here, if the, the team can start, the worship team can start coming out. Let's celebrate this king, the true king that came in on a cult. Let's celebrate him for who he is, for who he tells us he is, and for what he did. Even today, as we remember Palm Sunday, as he goes forward knowing full well what's in store for him. As we do that, why don't we bow and pray together? Father God, I just thank you for, I thank you for today. Thank you just for, for who you are. I thank you for your word and what you tell us there. God, I'm so sorry for, for the ways that I put you in a box, or I try to put you in a box, trying to decide for you what you should be and do. I want to try and celebrate you for who you are. You see, Jesus, you are the king, triumphant king, the one victorious. We know the story, and we are so grateful you chose to enter in on this day, Palm Sunday, fulfilling the prophecy, getting ready for the week ahead. A week we know on one level was super difficult, and on another level we'll never know how difficult it really was. Thank you, God. Let us set our guilt aside and praise you today, celebrate you, throw the box away, and be excited to share your story. Retell it to others. God, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.